When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Previewing all the NFL game odds to get you ready to wager each week on all the NFL action, college football, plus all the local teams and NBA action later this fall. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. And tonight's edition of Bet LA with Anita Marks is made possible by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza nutrient pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA with Anita Marks right now. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. It is the Saturday we've all been waiting for, and that's US. See, of course, going up against UCLA, Bill Conley joins us, uh, who does a great job covering USC for ESPN to really do a deep dive into this matchup. USC is favored by two to happen in some places. The over-under is a hefty number, 75 and a half, 76 in some places. So, uh, Bill, first things first, um, you know, let, let, let's start, obviously, with, with USC and the fact that, you know, Travis Dye is, is injured and, of course, is, is not going to play in this matchup. Uh, how much how much of a factor do you feel that's going to be in this offense come come Saturday against UCLA? Well, it's hard to say because I mean, well, he was having a great year, and and it's a it's a terrible ending to the season. Obviously, um, it, it was a great story that he was kind of building there. But as far as the USC run game goes, you know, Austin Jones has been doing really well, and honestly, the offensive line has been doing really well. Just very clean up front, uh, very good blocking as a whole. And so, when I mean, you have that, and you've got other talented backs in theory this doesn't have to to drop off that much um you know one of the the numbers i tend to track is, is just success rate like how frequently are you getting you know 50 percent of your yards on first down 70 percent on second 100 percent on third usc is fourth in the country in rushing success rate so far this year um you know not not as many big plays as other teams but they're just so good at getting five yards on first down and whatnot. And I don't think that was just Travis Dye. So this doesn't necessarily have to knock them off course all that much. That's interesting because a lot of people, you know, I'm reading, you know, a lot of analysis, a lot of handicapping, a lot of people feel that, wow, with Dye out, uh, this is a USC team and, and, and Lincoln Riley, he's, they're going to have to come one, become one dimensional with Caleb Williams and, um, and, you know, how that's going to play into the matchup. But you're saying that's not necessarily the case. Well, and I think, you know, let's be honest, against UCLA's defense, you got to have your choice here. Um, they're going to make your running backs look pretty efficient no matter who it is, and then also you can throw pretty well, too. All, all of the advantages in this game are on the offensive side. So um, maybe if, if you're thinking about higher degree of difficulty games down the stretch, maybe a rematch against Utah or however this plays out uh, in the Pac-12 championship game, if you – are lucky enough to make the playoff, then you're playing Georgia or whatever. Maybe at that point, losing that extra little bit from Travis Dye hurts. Against UCLA, I don't think it does. This is uh, a game where any stop is extremely valuable for either defense, and, and USC should be able to run the ball pretty well. 
So, so much on the line here for USC, right? Where, where, you know, talking about getting in the top four and potentially competing for the national championship. So a little bit more pressure, I should say a lot more pressure coming into this matchup. Um, and also an opportunity for Caleb Williams to really make a Heisman statement. Um, you know, he's, he's not up there. He's, you know, it's in regard to, to being favored. And I want to say, I wrote it down before uh, we started the show today, 12 to one, you could wager that Williams wins the Heisman. Um, you know, what, what, what are you, what are you expecting from him Saturday against this UCLA defense? I mean, big things probably. And this is, this is the moment for Williams and USC as a whole. Like they, you know, Williams, is, he might be too far back in the Heisman race and USC might be too far back in the CFP race. But if they really shift into gear, and obviously the offense has been in at least fourth gear for most of the season, but if they really, really kind of come together as a team, you know, the, the defense played pretty well, at least. It was Colorado, but they still, you know, did pretty well for the most part and the offense came along eventually. If they really kind of make a statement against UCLA and then do it again against Notre Dame and do it again in the Pac-12 title game, then they still have a chance to make up a lot of ground. It's just, you know, I think it almost feels like we're taking Caleb Williams for granted to a certain degree. Everybody kind of expected him to be great. Um, He's probably honestly been better than any sort of projections would have had, but he's still, you know, the, the last few weeks haven't played a good defense in a while. And I think people are kind of taking it for granted a little bit. So now's the kind of chance to, to make a statement and we'll see what they can do against UCLA. You know, you talk about the defense and, and of course we know we saw Arizona putting up 34 against UCLA last week. That, that was embarrassing, I'm sure. But like, you know, USC's defense hasn't been anything outstanding. In fact, no. uh, they're, they're 97th uh, in rushing defense. And of course now have to go up against Zach Charmardet, who's, you know, he's averaging 200 yards a game. It's just ridiculous. So, uh, you know, I, I'm expecting my play here is I love the over here. I, I think it's, I, I think USC could put up 65 points by their, by, by themselves. Um, you know, but defensively, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest obstacle to the to the over being that high is just that USC plays at one of the slowest tempos in the country and keeps the the drive total down. And and really, neither team makes a ton of big plays. They're extremely efficient and they keep moving the chains. But it, some, it'll take them six, eight, ten plays uh, to score. So you know, maybe that adds up, and they just don't get enough possessions to hit mid seventies. But they're going to score a lot. It, it's really, I, I I realize I was you know in in the columns I write I was writing the same things about TCU Texas last week, but this is a pretty extreme version, um, uh, just in terms of the size of the advantages of the offenses here. They're very very good, and you know last week UCLA really did kind of just blink at the moment. Their their offense or their defense was pretty bend don't break, but they gave up more big plays than they're used to. The offense blinked a couple times um we'll see how they respond to that if that's like the start of a fade or they just you know they're they're angry now and they have a point to prove uh that's going to play a big role in all of this but yeah there aren't going to be many stops it's just a question of how many possessions they end up with you know the last four meetings uh they have been a a track meet all four of them um of course last year ucla 62 to 33 what, what i find interesting here is is each team's defense is bad in regard to what each other team, what the opponent right. does, right? As I said, USC, bad rushing defense, uh, UCLA, best rushing offense. However, UCLA, one of the worst teams against mobile quarterbacks. Their linebackers don't cover well. 
So the matchup here for both offenses could be pretty explosive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think really, I mean, like I was saying, it, there, there are very, very few uh, advantages for defenses. I think the, the, the only way that it really differentiate here, UCLA does tends to do a little bit better job of preventing big plays. They get carved up, uh, but they can, you know, at least prevent the, the really big gashes, maybe force a field goal. That's kind of their best hope. USC does a better job. They were pretty lucky. Well, no, they were really lucky early on in the season with turnovers. Uh, just the number of, uh, you know, they, they weren't breaking up passes. They were only intercepting them. That doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't last all season. And the fumble recovery thing, they, they were recovering every fumble. Um, and, and that's kind of, obviously, that, that isn't as much of a thing anymore. But they do play better red zone defense than UCLA. And, and it's just going to be those little things. Any Anytime you hold your opponent to a field goal, it's a humongous deal in this game. Any turnover is humongous. Um, it's just going to be these little things. And we'll see um, who's better able to not only force the offenses to just kind of nibble and take six or eight yards at a time, and then who can actually force a field goal or two. It's, it really does have all the, the makings of a track meet. Um, I was I was also listening to uh, an analyst earlier today talking about, I mean, and this is like really getting into the weeds, how – um, Chip Kelly's defensive coordinator is is from the NFL, and so his his defense has a really hard time in coverage because the hash marks are wider in college football, and how Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff takes advantage of that. And I was like, whoa, we're re- like like we're really doing a deep dive into this analysis and trying to like you know pinpoint like like you know all the pros and all the cons but with that being said share with us what's your vision here what's the game script how does this play out who wins uh what what's your gut telling you yeah i mean not knowing how ucla is going to respond you know it really could be the start of, of a slide here they did hit a, a decent sized spunk last season now, you know not knowing how that's going to play and therefore just kind of put it to the side on paper this is an extremely even game um, you know, the, the over, I usually, anything over 70 points, I usually say no under, the, you know, it, it'll be under more often than not. It is going to be dictated, I think, by uh, the number of possessions and everything, but it, it, it you know, it's to, to me, you know, the line being as close as it is, I just, I, I'm going to take whoever's you know getting points. And, and I think I lean UCLA in that regard, unless they just fall flat from here on out. Uh, but they really, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, um, pretty much Caleb Williams is equal. Obviously, last week uh, there, there were at least a, a couple of hiccups that cost them. Uh, but Charbonnet and Thompson Robinson and Bobo, uh, they can really kind of match what USC does. And I think this is, uh, you know, if what we saw last week from USC is maybe a hint of improvement defensively, uh, that'd, be, that'd be really well-timed because for the season, the, the overall averages are no better than UCLA's. And this just comes down to, to precision and you know who has to settle for field goals i think it's going to be super tight i hope it's super tight uh, that'd be a lot of fun um and i guess give me ucla because uh, they're the underdogs at the moment uh, bill before we let you go let's look big picture here right like where it stands right now um i, I have i have georgia I have Michigan beating Ohio State. Again, just my two cents, right? I just I think Michigan's the more complete team. Obviously, I love their running attack, and I think Ohio State's injuries are going to play a role in that matchup. Um, TCU, they've got Baylor and Iowa State left, unless they wet the bed against Baylor. Who knows? Tennessee um, is I, I think will win out with South Carolina and Van, Vandy, and because 
Michigan. I have Michigan beating Ohio State. It opens the door for either Tennessee or USC to get in. So, you know, what, what, like, who are you? I guess, who are your final four? How do you think it's going (laughs) to, who are going to be the final four for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest obstacle for USC here is that Tennessee is extremely likely to get to 11 and 1, and that pair of wins over Alabama and LSU uh, is going to power that resume from here on out. Even though they finished mm-hmm. with South Carolina and Vandy, like they don't have any extra opportunities now to add to the resume, but it's still going to be a pretty good uh, case for them there. And I think if you're a USC fan, you probably need to be rooting for Ohio State uh, overall because. We saw in the initial CFP rankings that the committee really, really wasn't impressed with Michigan's strength of schedule. The non-conference schedule was obviously very, very light, and they were below Clemson, even though there was no indication that Michigan was a worse team than Clemson in any way. Um, I think that was a little hint. And if they lose to Ohio State, if they get blown out, especially by Ohio State, that might open the door if USC really does kind of chart, get you know, gain steam here down the stretch. But if it's Ohio State – They've looked good enough all year with all the injuries. The fact that that really hasn't cost them yet is mind-blowing. Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Travion Henderson, some of the best players in the country have barely played or have been missing a lot of games, and they're still just trucking right along. I think the committee will look much more favorably on them if, they ha- if they're the team with the loss. So if you're USC, root for Ohio State to blow out Michigan, uh, root for Tennessee to maybe, you know, they're not going to lose, but to, to not look very good here down the stretch against South Carolina or Vandy, and then just hope your team catches fire. That might be enough to make up the gap, but I'm not completely sure. It's still a pretty big gap, I think. Bill, thank you so much for spending some time with us to break this down, and a great preview. Really do appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Bill Conley joining us uh, covering USC for uh, for ESPN. We get back. I'll give you my my picks uh, in this matchup. Um, I already told you I like the over, but I also have there's prop. Can you believe it? Prop bets are already on the board, and uh, and and I've already gone to the window. And I'll tell you uh, where I'm I'm spending my my hard earned money next. Right here on Bet LA seven ten ESPN LA. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza Nutrient Pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Um, had some really, really cool times of, of the team surging on all three sides, which we said was going to be a big deal. And uh, I thought our guys responded and did it. Uh, really played pretty well defensively from the jump. Um, pressure, uh, just sound play across the board. Uh, it took us a little bit to get going offensively, um, but we were able to, to settle in there and get rolling pretty good. So uh, proud of the way that everybody stepped up. Uh, guys were awesome. And, uh, yeah, just just obviously really proud of the win and, and to get another one, another one here at home. So obviously some some exciting opportunities coming up that we'll be looking forward to. Head coach Lincoln Riley talking about uh, USC coming off of a win, and they've got to be feeling really good about themselves. Of course, uh, you want to ride high coming into this matchup, right? Uh, The battle of the left coast. Uh, USC going up against UCLA. Uh, USC is favored by two and a half. The over-unders at 75 and a half, 75 and a half, 76 in some places. I wouldn't be surprised if that line now has jumped to minus three. Again, we have Tyler and Rebecca who are producing the show. I was asking in the break, are either of you going? 
um, and you said no, but you but you think a, a number of people from the station are going. You yeah. Think good. Good. What, like they. Like a like handful. What, they, they're gonna get a like. Did they like you know rent a bus? Is it like a big like part? Like is it? Oh, I don't know if it's gonna be a big shindig. They should make it one if it's not one already for sure. But uh, right? you know, being on the outskirts of the plans, I don't have a whole lot of details. That just doesn't sound nice on the outskirts of the plan. Well, you you got to express interest to get invited places. Okay, okay. So so if so if I came to you and I said, "Hey, Tyler, Rebecca, I've got tickets to USC UCLA on Saturday. Let's go." We both would say, say "Who's going to run the Dr. Clapper show?" Oh. <laughs> oh okay, okay. But I hey, it. maybe after? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> um so of, of course, as we just heard from Lincoln Riley, uh, he's uh, he's thrilled, obviously, that USC is coming off of a win, but unfortunately, UCLA is not uh, losing to Arizona of all teams. Like one of the worst. Like what? Uh, talk about trap game, thirty-four to twenty-eight. Let's listen in. This is Chip Kelly. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talk, worried about going forward. So it's um, we'll come back like we normally do. You know, we'll watch the tape as a staff, make the proper corrections, and then back to work on Monday and. Um, you know, we got two games left in the regular season, and that's what our sole focus and attention is when we get on Monday. You know, we got to correct the mistakes that were made tonight, um, and then move on to to the last home game here in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, but you lost to Arizona. It's not like you lost to Oregon. You lost to Arizona. Um, you know, it's it's like it's 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 really interesting that you know that like when we use the word, I don't like to use the word trap game, but when we use the trap game. Uh, really, a lot of it comes down to the coaching staff and how a coaching staff, like, so for example, um, the Giants are taking on the Detroit Lions this week, but they, they go to Dallas and they're playing Dallas on Thursday for Thanksgiving. So I, I'm, you know, again, I, I worked for the Giants for about seven years, so I still have people inside that building I know well. And so I picked up the phone, I called and I was like, all right, what's going on? I'm like, is this a trap game? <laughs> and I don't like to use that phrase. But I asked. I said, what's going on? Are they focusing on Dallas on, on Thanksgiving? And the, re- and the response I got was, not with this coaching staff, Anita. Nope. Nope. They are ready for Detroit. So a lot of it, uh, you know, a lot of it is a coaching staff. And, you know, is, is a win against USC. Um more important for Chip Kelly and UCLA than Arizona? Absolutely. You know, and, but again, I'm not, I'm not in those walls. I don't know how they prepared or lack of preparation um, for, for Arizona, but it, it, it definitely had, it definitely looked and, and had the feeling of a trap game and a team like UCLA that's uh, putting all their eggs in the let's beat the USC basket, right? All right, so how am I going to play this? I love the over here. 75 and a half, 76. I'm going to play it. I think both these defenses are hor- Okay, I won't use the word horrendous. Both these defenses are bad. They're not great. Um, and what I find really interesting here is what both these teams do offensively is an excellent matchup for both of them with the opponent defense. What do I mean by that? USC, 97th. In the country, rushing defense, 97. <laughs> not even, not even like, oh, at least they're in the top 50. No, 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 97. Okay. Meanwhile, 
what does UCLA do? We know. Char Barnet, that's right. Tremendous. Averages 200 yards a game. Just ridiculous. Like, in a good way, right? Um, why there's not more talk and more hype about him in the Heisman uh, when, you know, there's, uh, you know, hype for Michigan's running back. I, I, don't, I don't quite get it, nonetheless. So I think Zach's going to have a, a field day. And, oh, by the way, the over-under for his rushing yards is 127.5. So, again, I've already gone to the window. I've already laid it. And, and by the way, I, I was on with uh, Mason in Ireland last Thursday. I'll be on with him tomorrow at 515. I'm sure they'll ask me about this game. Last week. UCLA and Arizona, I told him my play is Charbonnet uh, over rushing yards. And again, he almost had like, what, another 200-yard game. So he crushed it. He crushed it yet last week. He'll, he'll crush it again this week. Also, I got um, him scoring two touchdowns at plus 150. So over 127 and a half rushing yards and in, 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 in him scoring two touchdowns at plus 150. Um you know, that's their elixir. That's their straw that stirs their, you know, pretty light blue drink. So, so that matchup bodes well. Meanwhile, for UCLA, their defense, not good against mobile quarterbacks. And their linebackers can't cover. So that plays into exactly what USC does well with, with Caleb Williams. Okay, and I've got him passing for over two and a half touchdowns and you get that at minus 155 might be a little bit too much juice that's okay what does that mean you're laying 155 dollars to win 100 dollars. also i got him over 322 and a half passing yards and that's at 105 you don't have to lay a lot of juice for that this is a great opportunity for him to go on a, a eight o'clock prime time baby and fox has uh, their, their number one broadcast team on the program, okay? I mean, this is, this is <clears throat> doesn't get bigger than this, doesn't get brighter than this for Caleb Williams to showcase what he can do and potentially try to, uh, you know, make a, a state a better case for himself for that Heisman Trophy. Going up against a, a UCLA team whose defense, like I said, no bueno, not good, against mobile quarterbacks. The last four meetings, these two teams have faced each other. They've been a track meet. Last year, as we know, UCLA 62-33. to 33. Like I said, each team's defense, not great. Um, so score-wise, what am I looking at here? 63-58. Uh, something like that. Uh, like, I, I literally believe that USC is going to put up at least 60 points, at least. Um, I have a lean towards USC uh, just because, and, and, and also uh, after talking to Conley, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I put their rushing attack on, on the back burner, um, but he doesn't seem to be too worried. And, and, and that's no disrespect, no disrespect to Travis Dye, but um, he seems to have the utmost confidence in this offensive line with Austin Jones and their success rate, I thought that was a great part of the interview, uh, was the success rate, fourth best in the nation in regard to rushing behind that offensive line. So I, I think that's really, really important. So that's how I'm playing this bad boy. Um, quick break. We come back. We've got a Thursday night football game. Uh, this is the great thing about being on on Wednesdays is we get to preview it as opposed to recap it. 
Rob Demosky, who does a phenomenal job covering the Green Bay Packers for ESPN, joins the show next. You're listening to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza Nutrient Pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Getting you ready. This is the great thing about us being on on a Wednesday. We're typically on on a Thursday. And so we're recapping the Thursday night game. Tonight, we get to preview the Thursday night game. And of course, as we know, it's the Green Bay Packers coming off a really impressive win against the Dallas Cowboys going up against the Tennessee Titans. And Rob Demosky joins us now. He does a phenomenal job at ESPN covering the Packers. So, Rob, welcome in. How you doing? I'm good, Anita. How are you? Uh, fighting something, but uh, towards the tail end, and so I feel like I feel like Muhammad Ali right now. Um, well, let's at least th- where you are, you don't have any snow on the ground. We've got like an inch of snow right now. So, ooh, ooh, and and, and I do want to get into the weather conditions. So, uh, okay. so the Packers are at home. Uh, they are favored by three. Uh, the over-under is at 41. So let's start right there. Weather conditions, everything I'm hearing, it's going to be yeah. brutal, right? Temperatures in the 20, uh, 20s, w- weather conditions, wind uh, howling at like 20 to 25 yeah. miles an hour. You're going to feel like it's, it's in the single digits. And does that not bode well and absolutely play into some of the best games I feel we've seen Aaron Rodgers have have been in yeah. those temperatures. Yeah, like you'd think, okay, this is going to be a running game and they're not going to be able to throw the ball down the field and lo and behold, that he has in the past. And, you know, now he's got a guy in Christian Watson that maybe he can throw the ball down the field too uh, with a little bit more regularity after what we saw on Sunday. We are um, expecting a little bit more snow at some point um, on the day of the game. They don't. I haven't seen exactly what time. Uh, I do know this. I'm, I have to do a bunch of live TV hits uh, tomorrow afternoon, and the Packers told us that if uh, they need to remove snow, we are not allowed in the field area. So they might be doing TV hits from the stands, which tells you that there's going to be weather on the field, uh, which might impact the game. Look, I mean, the, the, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, they have played the Titans in a snow, a, a snow game before. Um, and, and, you know, like, it doesn't always just mean that it's going to be you know, run, run, run. That just, it's, it's sometimes it is, but you just can't count on that. So, so let, let's, let's break down both sides here and let's start with the Packers, right? Um, again, weather conditions are, are, are going to bode well for them, obviously. Um, you know, they, they are a team that, you know, you've got, you've got, Aaron Jones and 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 AJ Dillon, although a little disappointed, my fantasy team is pretty disappointed that we're not getting a heavier dose of AJ Dillon. But you're going up against arguably top three rushing defense in the NFL when it comes to the Tennessee Titans. However, they're not great against receiving running backs in the passing game, and of course we know. Aaron Jones, he does it uh, on land and on sea. So he can be a big part of this passing attack. I, I feel that that could be the elixir here 
uh, on Thursday night? Is is Aaron Jones in the passing game? Am I on to something? You know, you certainly might be, but I will tell you this. Um, A.J. Dillon had a huge game. His breakout game came in 2020 against the Titans. Uh, Aaron Ooh. Jones was out that day. It was December 27th uh, at Lambeau Field. Um, 21 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns for A.J. Dillon in that game. And, and I'm trying to figure out why they are playing the Titans at Lambeau Field twice in two years, which those AFC games, it must have something to do with the 17 game schedule or whatever, because you, you don't normally play these teams. Uh, but once every eight years, uh, you know, in the AFC NFC crossover deal, but I, I would keep an eye on AJ Dillon uh, tomorrow. Um, now look, Aaron Jones has been very, very good in the passing game. Um, he's also really good in the run game. I mean, if you look at his yards for carry, he's right up there in the top five in the league. And then the problem was they weren't getting him enough t- uh, attempts uh, until last week. Really. They, they just hadn't been able to get his attempts up. He was like somewhere around 15th or 20th in actual attempts and, and top five in yards per carry. So um, last week they obviously were able to move the chains a little bit. Uh, they just haven't had a lot of third down conversions, they, which means they haven't had a lot of total plays. I mean, like their play counts have been in like the high fifties and low sixties and they want to be over 70. Um, if they're going to be successful. So I think all that has sort of skewed everything that you thought you could count on and you thought you knew about the Packers offense just because they just haven't been able to get anything going consistently. Here, here's another interesting little nugget I came across. 80% of the touchdowns that the Green Bay Packers score are passing touchdowns. 90% of the touchdowns that the Tennessee Titans allow against their defense are passing touchdowns. <laughs> so it, it's well, just, I'll tell you I, what, I mean, you know, who's really good in those situations, Alan Lazard. I mean, if they're in the red zone, like he's going to look for Alan Lazard. If it's going to be a, you know, first and goal at the eight yard line uh, situation, because he's so good in traffic. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, if that, if that holds true, you know, there's a lot of guys that might be able to have big games tomorrow. You know, and, and also keep in mind, Rob, this is, uh, this is a Tennessee Titans defense. They've got a lot of injuries. And and working, you know, obviously on a short work week, um, you yeah. know, Simmons, Dupree, I'm not expecting them to play. So I just, you know, not to take anything away from Aaron Jones, and and I I love AJ Dillon. Like I said, I I, I was yeah. I was hoping more from him at this this point in time in the season. But I just I truly believe in in everything, all the research I've done, and 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 what I've uncovered. I just feel like in order for the Green Bay Packers to win this matchup against Tennessee, they're going to have to throw the ball. Yeah, and you know what the interesting thing, Anita, is, and they said this against the, after the Cowboys game, they got more single high safety looks than, than they thought they would ever get, which tells you that they were daring the Packers to throw the football. Like, in what universe did teams dare the Packers <laughs> to throw the ball? Like, it, they, for, for years it was always they were sitting back in, in the Tampa 2 and, and trying to keep everybody in front of you and, and not, letting, not getting beat down the field. And because Rodgers had been so ineffective in the, the passing game, especially the deep passing game, they were like, all right, we dare you to throw the ball. And they finally did. You know, they, they capitalized on it. So I just wonder how that will affect, you know, how the Titans play defense. Now, the interesting thing, too, and Matt LaFleur has said this several times over his tenure here, he's like, whenever we're preparing for a team, we look at what they do and think we have an idea of what they do defensively because that's what they do against – 
80% of the teams. And then when they come out against us, they do something totally different uh, because it's because of the Aaron Rodgers factor. Like, so it'll be interesting to see if, if the game plans start to shift now more toward, okay, now we think we know Rodgers is kind of back, so we're not going to let him beat us. But, you know, also, again, I'm looking at the wide receiving core, and I know I keep on referring to my fantasy teams. I just yeah. can't help myself. I mean, I do have 12, Rob. But, um, and I do have, and I think I have Lazard in like two or three of them. And I yeah. did pick up Watson this week off the waiver wire. You know, you're not dealing with a Devontae Adams. It's, it's not like this passing no. attack has been prolific or anything. So yeah, the thing. there's not, yeah, there's not one guy that you know is going to get 10 to 12 targets like, like there used to be. And, you know, Randall Cobb may be back. Um, he, he returned to practice this week. They would have to actually add him to the 53 tomorrow, which they can do on a Thursday game. Um, so there's a chance he might play, but there's no Romeo Dobbs. He's, he's got the ankle injury, so he's going to miss a second straight game. So it's based and they cut Amari Rogers, the punt returner, who was sort of the backup slot receiver um, after he fumbled what for the fifth time on, on punt returns the other day. So it's, it's basically Lazard and, and Christian Watson with a little bit of Sammy Watkins, who's been quite frankly, a huge disappointment. I actually thought that when they signed Sammy Watkins, they might be able to, you know, get a, get a 50, 60 catch kind of year out of him. And, and that just, it has not happened. Rob Domofsky joining us here on uh, on Bet LA with a great preview for the Thursday night football game. The Packers going up against Tennessee. Packers favored by three. The over-unders at 41. Let's talk about on the defensive side of the ball. It's all about Derrick Henry, right? He's the straw that yep. stirs the drink. He's the elixir. Going up against a Packers rush defense that's ranked 27th in the NFL, which uh, of yeah. course does not does not bode well. How how are they? No, no I don't think anyone could stop Derrick Henry, right? It's few and far right. between. But yeah. you know, wh- what what do you do in that regard? Especially, listen, you and I have been covering the NFL for a long time. It's going to be so yeah. cold. It hurt. It's it, it's going to hurt to tackle more more than the average bear, right? <laughs> yeah, and and it and it might hurt the defensive guy. It might be you know more painful to the defensive guy when you're tackling a guy like Derrick Henry mm-hmm. or trying to tackle a guy like Derrick Henry. I would say this: if you go back and look at the Cowboys game alone, that was like a microcosm of the Packers' run defense. Like they they got burned on draw play after draw play after draw play. I mean, it was. It, which surprised me when um, Mike McCarthy decided uh, at the end there he was going to go for it on fourth down. I was surprised they didn't run on third down because they had had such success with the draw game with, with Tony Pollard. And that's been really the biggest issue. Well, they've had more than one issue this year. But over the last couple of years, the run defense has been the Packers' biggest issue. Even last year when their overall ranking was pretty good, they were ninth overall in defense. I think their run defense was somewhere around 10th or 12th their yards per carry allowed was really bad. Like they were 29th in, in rushing yards per, per attempt allowed. So it just told you that teams weren't, you know, because the Packers were often ahead so much, teams couldn't run so much. But to me, the true measure is not total yards. It's yards per, per attempt. And, and that's where the Packers have really been bad uh, for the last couple of years. Now, the other things that they've struggled with are takeaways. Well, that turned around a little bit on uh, Sunday against Dallas when, a guy who probably nobody ever heard of, Rudy Ford, uh, goes in and plays safety and comes up with two big interceptions that the Packers turned into points. But they had not been taking the ball away Anita, anywhere near enough. And they've been playing you know, from behind so much 
that teams are just running the ball. And, and they've had trouble with quarterback running. I mean, go back to the Giants game. I mean, Daniel Jones hurt him with his feet more than he did it with his arms. So he just had trouble stopping quarterbacks from him, trouble stopping running backs from running up the middle, trouble on outside zone plays, on draw plays. It's been a real – and it's been a surprise in the sense that they have so much talent defensively that, I, that everybody thought the, the offense would struggle a little bit, which it has, that the defense would kind of carry this team. They have seven first-round picks on defense and four – I guess what you consider high-priced free agents, and they just have not performed. Last thing I'm going to leave you with, uh, the Tennessee Titans are the absolute worst second-half team in the NFL. They have only scored touchdowns on 7% of their offensive drives Ooh. in the second half. And get this, Rob, feel free to use this on SportsCenter tomorrow because I'm sure you're going to be all over the place. They have zero touchdowns in the fourth quarter all season long. Zero, not one. Right? Yeah. Wow. How about that? Well, so, well, for a while, the Packers were a terrible second-half team, too, right? I mean, like, they couldn't get anything going in the second halves of games either. Now that changed. They flipped that uh, against Dallas. But, um, yeah, so basically uh, we could see, like, whoever's leading, you know, uh, 17-14 after three quarters, it might end that way. Is that, is, is that what we're possibly looking at? Possibly. Possibly. Uh, be- before we go, um, you know, give us your game script. How does this play out? What's the score? What are you anticipating here? Yeah, I think the Packers are at an advantage because I think, you know, at least anecdotally, I don't have the statistically, the, th- the home Thursday games that are uh, that are healthy, like the home teams that are healthy. And the Packers didn't have any additional injuries on Thursday. And like you said, Tennessee's been banged up a little bit in the secondary. So, uh, I, I think that, you know, if you'd asked me uh, uh, 10 days or a week ago, I would have said Packers are going to lose to Dallas, Packers are going to lose to Tennessee, Packers are going to lose to Philadelphia, and, and the, the losing streak goes to eight. But it's amazing how one, one game can sort of change your outlook. Uh, but I think the outlook for the Packers is much, much better uh, now because they beat Dallas and they, they feel like they found something. They feel like they've got – um, you know, a little bit of a little bit of a jolt. Rogers used that term, jolt. And uh, you know, look, the ex- Christian Watson is—he's—I he, think he's going to factor in the game again because he's their fastest player, and they don't have anybody that can do what he does. And, and remember, he had a rushing touchdown earlier in the year on one of those uh, jet motion plays. And uh, so, I think if they can continue to take advantage of Christian Watson's speed, um, I, I think they have a chance to win this game. I really do. Now, I will tell you this. I have been so bad against picking the Packers against the spread. I'm in a pool with some buddies, and they're all musicians. None of them knows anything about sports. And mm-hmm. the guy who runs it pick, picks eight college games and eight NFL games every week, and it's all against the spread. Pack, the Packers aren't in that. He doesn't pick them every week. But in the times that he's picked them over the last, like, two and a half seasons, I am 0-25 picking the Packers against the spread. I've lost oh, 25 my. straight times, and they, these guys famous. give me the – yeah, they, they, these guys give me the, the hardest time about this. I thought I they won't be on the card this week because they don't do the Thursday game, but I thought I had broken the streak at Buffalo when it was uh, Buffalo was a 10.5-point favorite, uh, and uh, what did it end up being 10, right? I, I think the Buffalo scored – or I mean the Packers scored late to make it 27-17. I, I just right. can't get it right. So, so you're at – I'm glad I'm not out in, in Vegas – because I'd be losing it right now. Well, next next time I'll I'll have your musician friend on the show, Rob. I appreciate you. Um, <laughs> I, I know I know that you will crush it tomorrow, um, all over the ESPN airwaves. Thank you, my friends, for spending some time with us tonight. Yeah, we'll be on TV from Lambo starting at uh, with the this just in show and, and be on TV all day leading up to the game.
I love it. Fantastic. All right. Uh, more to come here on Bet LA. I'll have my picks for your Thursday night game when we get back right here on 710 ESPN LA. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza nutrient pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. It's the same message that's always been delivered um, after our wins. Same message delivered after our losses. You know, controlling the things that we can come out here today, we, we, we didn't do that. We didn't do it. And today it got us. So, you know, there, there's, it, it's very important to control the things that you can. Controlling your ball security, um, knowing where the operation of the play is supposed to go, and just execution. Those are all things that we can control, and we have to do a better job of that. Uh, that's Jalen Hurts. Uh, you can hear in his voice the disappointment, of course, the Eagles losing to the Commanders uh, on uh, on Monday night. So now the Eagles are sitting in the uh, NFC East at 8-1, and one, the Commanders 5-5. Five and five. What a competitive division this is with the Giants at 7-2. and two. Who would have thunk? And, of course, the Cowboys at 6-3 and three, uh, coming off of a loss to the Green Bay Packers. Of course, we just heard from Rob Demosky, uh, who, uh, who covers the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. They'll be taking on the Tennessee Titans tomorrow. How am I playing this matchup? <laughs> Excuse me, on Thursday night. Well, quite a few ways. Number one, uh, the line is three. I don't have a problem buying a line down. What does that mean? So uh, typically, if you're playing um, a, a line that's minus three, right? It means that the Packers have to win by more than three points in order for you to win the bet. So I'm going to buy a half a point down. So what does it mean is like, I'm going to buy it down where now I'm going to have to lay a hundred instead of laying $110 to win a hundred dollars. I'm now going to lay $137 down to win a hundred dollars because I, I, I mean, I, I just, you know, typically Games end in, in multiples of three and seven, 10, right? So I'm, I'm go- it's called the hook. So I'm going to buy the hook down to minus two and a half. I'll lay the 137. I do believe the Packers win. Also, my, my favorite play here is the under. I think the under is my favorite play, and that's at 41. As I, I talked to Rob, the weather is supposed to be brutal. Again, 20 degrees, 20 mile per hour winds. So it's going to possible snow. So it's going to feel like it's like seven degrees out there. Um, and, and guys just don't want to tackle <laughs> when that happens. So I, I do believe that, uh, that Derrick Henry is going to run wild. I'll get to that in just a second. But Rodgers thrives in these weather conditions, especially at home. Okay, the Packers score on 37% of their offensive drives at home compared to only 20% on the road. So uh, Aaron at Lambeau, definitely a huge advantage there. The, the, the Tennessee Titans are the worst second-half team in the league. I, I shared that with Rob. Scoring only 7% of their offensive possessions. 16 punts in two games. They punt 50% of the time. They have not scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. The Packers are the fourth. The Titans are the first slowest-paced teams in the NFL. And the Titans under has hit six straight games. Their last five, they're only averaging a total of 32 points. So the under is the play there. Like I said, I'm going to play the Packers minus two and a half. Prop bets, I like Rodgers over one and a half touchdown passes. I also like him over 
33 and a half passing attempts. Why? Tennessee Titans are really good against the run. So what happens? Gunslingers are averaging 40 passing attempts a game against their defense. So it's got to be my favorite prop bet. Over 33 and a half passing attempts. Derrick Henry over 97 and a half rushing yards. Like I said, he's going to be the straw that stirs that drink. Uh, Green Bay, one of the worst defenses against the rush. And in that cold weather, dudes aren't going to want to tackle. You just don't. It hurts. Trust me. It just hurts. My best bet, Aaron Jones over 24 and a half receiving yards. Why? Tennessee is excellent against the rush, but no bueno. They are not good against running backs coming out of the backfield in the passing game. Jones is averaging 20 receiving yards a game, 9 for 53 last week. He's got 228 pass receiving yards, I should say, receiving yards on the season. Okay? So over 24 and a half receiving yards for Aaron Jones. Uh, that's, my, that's my best bet heading into this matchup. Quick break. We come back. We kick off hour three, and we do a deep dive into the World Cup. Can't wait, as Bard Scott likes to say. Uh, J.J. Duvaney uh, joins us next. Um, and uh, buckle up. He is going to get us ready. We'll be right back. Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA.